0: All right, that was good. thanks to my sister for picking out those songs. Those are some some classics for from when we were kids. Those are songs that were popular when we were young, and some of those i haven't i haven't sang in a while and so it's good to uh, to sing those that last one i I didn 't know it when I looked at it, but as soon as she hit those first three notes, I said, oh yeah, I know that song that's a that's a good song you know there's so many good songs that are in our hymnal, and uh oftentimes we just don't know we just don't investigate so we uh but Jennings is, is, is teaching us a lot of uh, good new songs, and that was good. So thank you uh, for those. Uh, you noticed that my dad uh, talked about how good it was to have his son preaching. That's because last time Melissa was here, he, he stood up here and he said, Boy, it's always so good to, to be here as a father and have my daughter playing the piano. And I just assumed after that he was going to say, and my son preach. And he just went on to the next song. And so I, I mentioned it to him after after church that day. I said, "Well, I'm glad you, you you're glad to have your daughter uh, here. So that's why he made it a point to mention that this morning." So well, thank you. You know that that one of the first songs we sung there, "The Heart of Worship." I love that song, uh, and and really, no matter how many times uh, that I sing it or hear it. Like it always, it always like really touches me because, you know, oftentimes my heart gets worried about things of the world. My heart desires things of the world. My heart is not on worshiping God. Uh, That's just honest. I guess as a preacher, I should come in here and my heart should always be in the right place. But the reality for all of us, whether we are a preacher or not, is that our hearts uh, are not always in the right place. Sometimes our hearts are, are angry are bitter are, are, are hardened because of sin. Uh, sometimes our hearts are, are worried about things of the world, things that may be serious, real things. Sometimes our, our hearts are worried about things that are not very serious or important. They may be worldly, fleshly desires. They may be on uh, what we want to do when we leave this place or what we are going to do next week or whatever it may be. But I, I find myself singing that song a lot on my own because... <clears throat> I need to. I need to, to let that be my prayer to the Lord. When sometimes uh, I don't have the words to say, it's easier for me just to sing that song because that really says all we need to say, uh, coming back to the heart of, the wor- of worship because it's all about you, and it's all about God here today. It's all about Jesus Christ here today. That is why we come, and perhaps uh, your heart is on other things or your heart is worried about other things Uh, But let that be our prayer uh, this morning as we go to the Lord, to remember that it is all about Him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning as we get kicked off, and we thank you for the beautiful uh, words to those songs that we sang. And I pray, God, that today we would have a heart of worship. I pray, God, that if our heart is focused on, worried about, thinking about something of this world, that it would not be in these next few minutes, that you would... Uh, keep the enemy from, from distracting us with, with thoughts, dear Lord, that you would help us from getting distracted with things that, that we may have around us or brought with us, uh, whether it be physically or, or mentally, dear Lord. Let, let not our, our heart focus on those things today, but God, bring us back to a heart of worship. So that as we read your words, they will speak to us, God. As we, as we recall these words of Paul, that we recall what he's been talking about in your words and what he's going to talk about in your words, that we would recognize the significance and the importance, God, uh, of your word and how we need to grow from them and how we need to learn from them and live by them in our lives. God, I pray that you just give me the words to speak today. I pray that you hide me behind the cross, God. I pray that you recall to my mind and my heart things that I've read and studied this week, that the Holy Spirit would just open my mouth to speak in a way that's going to touch the lives of these people, God. That there's something in your word today. Your word is what does the power, God. Not the words that come from my mouth, but your word. So, God, let your word work in a mighty way today. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We are oh so close. Lord willing, we will be finishing this up in one or two more uh, sermons. We are wrapping this letter that Paul wrote to the people of Corinth up. Uh, we, we talk about these letters of Paul sometimes, and, and, and we need to be reminded that when Paul is writing this letter, uh, it's very unlikely that he knew that this would be what we call the Bible. Now, it's possible that through the Holy Spirit, God may have said, Oh, this letter you're writing is going to be uh, put into a book with other letters and prophetic words and, 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 and stories from history, and they're going to make up the Bible. It's possible that God could have revealed that to Paul and these other writers, but I, I don't believe that when they were writing these things that they knew that we would be studying them the way that we are. Now these words were written by Paul, but I believe wholeheartedly they were inspired by God. Now Paul covered a lot of ground in his missionary journeys and he, uh, he went to a lot of different places and he encountered a lot of different people. He led a lot of people to Christ and he genuinely cared for those people. We talked about that some last week as he was uh, talking at the beginning of chapter 16 about there being a special collection that was going to be taken up for the people of Jerusalem. Paul genuinely cared about the needs of the people being met. He also genuinely cared about their spiritual state. That is, that they knew right teaching, that they were not led astray by false teachers that would come in, that they did not misunderstand some of the things that they had been taught, that they were not tempted to, uh, to give in to some of the false teachings of other gods or other idols of the day that they wouldn't mix and match the two, that they wouldn't mix and match some old teachings or some old things with some new teachings, but that they would be firmly founded on Jesus Christ. That everything was built on Jesus Christ. Everything that Paul and the disciples had written uh, to the people here and anywhere else was all built on Jesus Christ and nothing else. And Paul has done a great job in chapter 15 of, of making that point about the significance of Jesus Christ and, more importantly, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, so Paul wrote many different letters and he wrote them to different people. It's likely that this was written to a group of people, to a church of people, uh, but they lived in Corinth and he is addressing some problems that were going on uh, as you uh, have seen as we've covered the book of First Corinthians. Uh, with any letter, there's a good uh, beginning to say who it's to or who's writing it, and we see that in many of Paul's writings, that he's saying, Look, this is, this is me, Paul. I'm writing to you. Uh, I come and write to you on behalf of Jesus Christ. He's our Lord and Savior. Grace be to him, and, and peace be on you, or grace be to you, uh, and I thank God for you. There's, there's genuine love and affection that Paul shows to these believers who are receiving these letters. Now, we understand how uh, about writing letters. We write letters, and we probably write similar things in the beginnings. And then we we cover kind of the important stuff, what's been going on, things that are good, things that are bad. And then uh, at the end, we get to the close of the letter. Maybe at the close of the letter, uh, it recalls or points us back to, or or the reader back to something that was earlier on in the letter. And maybe it points to something uh, going forward. Can't wait to talk to you again or can't wait to see you again or can't wait till we get to come again, uh, whatever it may be. There's a, a certain way that we kind of structure our letters when we write letters to people if we still do that. And Paul's letters are really no different. Here in chapter 16, what we're seeing is kind of the closing of Paul's letter to the Corinthians. He is maybe reminding them of some things. That is, the collection that we talked about last week, that they needed to get that together so that it would be ready when he come. He was pointing them to the fact that he was coming to them again. And he continues on in the close of his letter here in 1 Corinthians 16 verses 5 through 12. 1 Corinthians sixteen five through 12. He says, I will come to you after I pass through Macedonia, for I will be traveling through Macedonia, and perhaps I will remain with you or even spend the winter, so that you may send me on my way wherever I go. I don't want you to see me now just in passing, for I hope to spend some time with you. If the Lord allows. So Paul is writing to them here as he closes this letter, and he's saying, Look, I'm going to come to you eventually. Now, if you read the New Testament, in particular the book of Acts, you will see some of uh, Paul's journeys and some of the struggles that Paul had on his journeys. He covered these different regions, these different areas, uh, these different cities. Now, some of the ones that we've talked about or that you will see Paul talk about whether it be uh, in Romans or whether it be here in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, one of the key areas that he mentions a lot is Macedonia. He mentions Macedonia. That's, uh, that's a region that would have been uh, a little north of, uh, of, of Corinth, where Corinth was, and he was going to be in that region, uh, in that area. He was going to go there before he came to uh, Corinth. But a lot of these places he visited on multiple trips. He kind of went back and forth here and there, looped around. Some of your Bibles in the back may very well have a chart of Paul's missionary journeys. Uh, if you care to kind of get an idea of where Paul traveled, you can look online and Google Paul's missionary journeys, and you may can find a map with different color lines showing you back and forth all these different places that Paul visited. What you will see that Paul was a man about God's work. He didn't really stay in one place for too long. He was constantly going here, going there, wherever uh, the need was. Now, Paul desired to come back to the people of Corinth because he loved them. He cared about them, one, for that reason, and two, because he wanted to see if they were doing well. As we see from the book of 1 Corinthians, um, some of them, at least, were not doing very well. There were some problems there. And he had given them good instruction and good guidance on how to deal with those problems. And so it was probably a twofold visit that he wanted to make to them. That is one, because he loved them. He wanted to see his friend, just like you and I do. When we haven't seen someone for a while, we look forward to getting to see them again and two, so he could make sure that they were doing okay, because he cared about their spiritual maturity. He cared of whether or not they were walking in the Lord or whether or not they were being led astray. And so he says, look, I'm going to come to you as soon as I can, but I'm not going to come right now because I don't want it to be a rush trip. I want to come when I can spend some time with you, when I can spend the winter with you, when I can spend a few months with you. So he's giving them something to look forward to. He's giving them uh, something to know that he is planning to come to see them if the Lord allows. Well, that's a key phrase, if it's God's will. Sometimes as Christians, we may make plans in our life and they don't always turn out the way we want them to turn out. It's not that we are liars or we didn't have any intent of doing what we said, but we know that sometimes our human plans uh, may not always line up with God's will. I think it's important for us to say that, look, we are going to try our best to do something or we will be there if the Lord wills. And sometimes it may not be possible for us to be where we wanted to be or intended to be. We see that uh, that that's a problem for the Corinthians because, and I would encourage you to do that since we're finishing 1 Corinthians, we may eventually get there, Lord willing, who knows. We may preach through 2 Corinthians. uh, But I would encourage you to read 2 Corinthians because it's a good follow-up to everything that we've covered. And what you will see toward the beginning of 1 Corinthians is that the Corinthians were upset with Paul, apparently, because he had not come to them as quick as they thought that he should come to them. Now, he gives an explanation of why he wasn't able to come, and that's because he was doing God's work. He was doing the ministry. He was held up. We will see an example of that here in just a minute. But the people of Corinth were, uh, were upset because Paul hasn't, hasn't arrived to them at, as quickly as they uh, thought that they should. And Paul was saying, look, I have to do uh, the Lord's will. He had told them that here at the close of 1 Corinthians that we see in this verse, that he will be there if God allows him to be there. In verse uh, 8, it says, But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, because a wide door for effective ministry has opened for me. Yet many oppose me. Now this may be a verse that we have to think about or scratch our head about for a second. Because he uses a word there that sometimes we incorporate with something different. He says that he is... um, will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. So he is more than likely in Ephesus when he is writing this letter to the Corinthians. Now, when we hear the word Pentecost, we probably think of the event that happens at the beginning of the book of Acts, where God pours the Holy Spirit out onto the people. Uh, Jesus said when he left, Jesus said while he was on this earth, even before he left, that when he left, he was going to send a comforter, a counselor to the people. That is, the person of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ was on this earth for 40 days after he was resurrected by the Lord. At which point he eventually ascended back to heaven. He told the disciples, however, to wait until the time would come that the Holy Spirit would come upon them. You can read about all this at the beginning of, of the book of Acts. And the disciples did just that. They waited patiently for the Holy Spirit to come. Now eventually the Holy Spirit did come among the people. Uh, this event took place uh, 50 days after after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, or, or somewhere around about. Now that idea of 50 days is where the word Pentecost comes from. That's where uh, the word Pentecost, uh, what the word Pentecost is in uh, the Greek. And the reason why that 50 days is important is because in the Old Testament there was a feast that took place 50 days after the Passover that would have coincided with the time that the Holy Spirit uh, was poured out on the people. Now, I won't bore you with all of the talk of the Feast of Weeks, as it's called, but if you care to see the the connection between Pentecost and the Feast of Weeks, you can study Deuteronomy 16 or Leviticus chapter 23. Now, this time of Pentecost uh, that we may be familiar with at the beginning of the book of Acts was the time of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. But it is also something that uh, was celebrated by Christians. It was celebrated at uh, that time that God poured the Holy Spirit out on the people. And that is likely what Paul is talking about here. Not that there was going to be uh, another pouring out of the Holy Spirit, although I suppose that there's a possibility that could be the case. What he is probably referring to, that event that is going to take place 50 days after what we would call Easter Easter. Uh, that, that, that that changing of what the people of God used to celebrate, the Feast of Weeks, now something better has come. Now we see that, that structure, that idea of, of the old passing away and being replaced by something better. Uh, this, Pentecost, is another example of that, that the Holy Spirit had come down on the people. And so what Paul is probably saying there is that he will stay uh, in Ephesus until this time of Pentecost, until this celebration uh, that the people will have where they will uh, celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit now that's that's a very important thing we as Christians should praise God that he sends us the Holy Spirit that's a that's a wonderful beautiful gift that God has given to us now that's not something that you see celebrated uh, terribly uh, often at least in our area but there are plenty of people in the world that still celebrate Pentecost 50 days uh, after Easter in our world today uh, there are uh, especially in Europe in different places different denominations may put a little more focus on that uh, than others and so when Paul says there that he is going to stay in Ephesus until Pentecost it is likely I believe that that is what he meant that celebration uh, that was going to to be had. But he says in the verse after, because a wide door for effective ministry has opened for me, yet many oppose me. Now this is not an uncommon thing for Paul to be opposed by many people. That's one thing that we are continually reminded of, I think, as we read God's word of just how much of a struggle it is sometimes to do God's work. It's easy in sometimes, some cases, but it's difficult in in other cases. We see in Paul's life that he faced many difficulties. Why? Because when we, as Christians, speak the truth of God, it's typically not something that the world wants to hear. Well, that's not new to our generation. It's not new to the United States of America. As Ecclesiastes says, there is nothing new under the sun. Uh, People have never wanted to hear the truth. People have never wanted to be told that they were sinful. Uh, We can go all the way back to the Old Testament. Uh, We can uh, go back to Paul's time. We can come to our very own time and know that living uh, a life for God and living uh, a life of integrity and living by God's word and trying to help others live by God's word and speaking God's word into their life oftentimes offends people. But what we see in Paul's ministry is he doesn't shrink back. He doesn't doesn't take that opposition and let let that uh, slow him down or deter him from doing what God has called him to do. Now, Paul was facing very difficult circumstances in Ephesus. Now, if you want to turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 19, you can... Uh, flip there and you can kind of see exactly uh, what was going on in Ephesus. Now this is a passage that I know that I've at least mentioned in a couple of different occasions I won't say a few days ago I'll say a few months ago. I, Michelle has learned that sometimes I'll say a few days for something that happened a year ago the other day I was, she was asking about something and I said oh I just preached on that a few weeks ago and she said I don't remember I don't know and I so I looked, I looked online to see when I preached it oh, it was a year ago So, I was a little off. My few days was a little off. So, I don't know how long ago that we would have mentioned this, but I know it was mentioned during the time that we were reading through Acts, if you're reading through the New Testament in a year. Now, this passage has kind of come around a few different times, uh, and we've we've talked about it in different uh, ways. now I think it's important, this is a good time to maybe say this, that it's important for us to see how beautifully and wonderfully God's Word connects. That's why it's very important for us to be in God's Word. Because there's a lot of things, let's just face it, that we just don't catch and retain upon one reading. That's why reading God's Word is something that takes a lifetime. It doesn't take a lifetime to read it, but, but, but... that's why, over our lifetime, I guess would be better to say, we are continually introduced to new things, new things that maybe we missed before. But the more we read God's word, the more we see how all these events tie together. These are not just random words that are just kind of placed here and there, but these these letters that Paul writes and these events that we see the other writers in the New Testament, they're all happening around the same time. They're all events that are spread up and put in a certain order in our Bibles, but they're all events that are kind of going and working together at the same time. And as we begin to see certain phrases or certain names or certain places mentioned (coughs) uh, as we read through the Bible, Bible repeatedly, we kind of see how these things tie together. Now, Paul was talking about, in the verses we looked at, uh, about being in Ephesus or staying in Ephesus, and he said that he had uh, had a wide door that was open for him for ministry. Now, Paul uses that illustration there as a wide door to say there's a lot of ministry uh, to be done there. There's a big need that can, that can go through this door. There's, there's a lot that can go on. There's a lot that the Lord wants to do. And Paul was not going to shy away from such a wonderful ministry opportunity. So he said that that ministry opportunity was there for him, but he was facing opposition. Well, it is likely, or at least very possible, that these verses in Acts chapter 19, verse 21, I don't think I told you that, uh, may be what Paul is recurring uh, uh, referring to now I'll read through some few verses here and, and some of you may remember the story as we read but we'll see what was going on in Ephesus uh, the the problems uh, that Paul was encountering it says as he met many who opposed him uh, it's very possible and likely that these uh, are the ones that he's talking about in Ephesus Acts chapter 19 verse 21 When these events were over, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem. After I've been there, he said, I must see Rome as well. So after sending two of those who arrested him, Timothy, or excuse me, who assisted him, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia, he himself stayed in Asia for a while now, one thing we see in these verses here at the beginning is this this community uh, of believers, uh, of people that are working for God. We see these names mentioned a lot as we read the end of Philemon uh, a while back. We saw a lot of names that we see mentioned that were that were brothers along with Paul or sisters along with Paul who were doing the work. They were constantly working together, meeting up with each other, going here, uh, going there. Uh, we see that, and we'll talk more about that uh, when we get to the close of First Corinthians. But we see that a little little bit in the verses we're looking at today, and we see that a little bit in the verses here. In verse 23, during that time there was a major disturbance about the way, that is the way of Jesus Christ. For a person named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines to Artemis, provided a great deal of business for the craftsmen. When he had assembled them, as well as the workers engaged in this type of business, he said... Men, you know that our prosperity is derived from this business. You see, and you both see and hear, that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this man Paul has persuaded and misled a considerable number of people by saying that gods made by hands are not gods. So not only do we run the risk that our business may be discredited, but also that the temple of the great Goddess Artemis may be despised and her magnificence come to the verge of ruin. The very one all of Asia and the world adore. Now we see the issue that was going on in Ephesus, or at least one of the issues. Paul could have encountered others, but this is at least one issue that we have in Scripture. Uh, The people of Ephesus were worshiping this false goddess Artemis. Well, as, as, as being a false goddess, there were idols that were made. And this silversmith that is speaking here, Demetrius, is saying, Look, this is our business. This is how we make our money by making idols to this person, uh, this false god, Artemis. Now, Paul has come in and he has begun to sp- speak the truth. Well, they didn't want to have anything of it because it was messing up their business. Now, Paul saw this wide door of ministry, and you can read further on when you get time, and you can kind of see some of the things that took place. They were not very happy with Paul. Paul faced some difficult times in Ephesus because he was speaking the truth. He was speaking the truth against these false gods, and as a result... Uh, As he tried to minister to the people, they didn't want to hear it. Now, one interesting thing that I think we see here that just shows how great these other gods, these false gods of these people were, uh, is that Artemis uh, may be despised and her significant come to the verge of ruin. Well, how mighty of a God can it be if the words of Paul is going to uh, demolish this God? Well, not a very powerful God at all, not, a, not, a, not an, a God that even exists. We see that the God of Paul, the one and only true God, uh, is, is going to cause ruin to this false God. The people of Ephesus didn't have the wherewithal, I suppose, to understand that that must have been a pretty weak God that they were going to serve. They didn't have the wherewithal to say, boy, Paul's God is bringing destruction to our God, and we want to worship Paul's God instead. The problem was they were concerned about the money that they were going to make. So when Paul says that he is going to uh, stay in Ephesus and that there is a wide door of ministry that has been opened to him, we can look back at stories like that. And even if that wasn't the, the particular instance that Paul was talking about, that gives us an idea of Paul's ministry and the struggles that he experienced. In verse 10, if Timothy, or excuse me, back to 1 Corinthians 16, Back to 1 Corinthians 16, verse 10. If Timothy comes, see that he has nothing to fear from you, because he is doing the Lord's work just as I am. Now perhaps Paul thought that they were not going to treat Timothy favorably when he sent Timothy to them. After all, there were some bad things that were going on in Corinth. The people were not uh, doing right and living right and acting the way they should. And perhaps Paul uh, thought that Timothy was going to experience tough times, but he didn't want uh, Timothy to experience any tough times at the hands of the Corinthians. Obviously, the Corinthians... Uh, respected and trusted Paul, and Paul wanted him to, them to know that Timothy was coming, and they needed to treat him with the same uh, type of uh, respect as he was there doing the Lord's work. In verse 11, "...therefore no one should look down on him, send him on his way in peace, so he can come to me, for I am ex- expecting him with the brothers. About our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brothers." But he was not at all willing to come now. However, he will come when he has an opportunity. Here we see another mention of someone we've seen uh, throughout the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, Paul talked about Apollos at the beginning, that there was division among the people because some were saying, oh, I'm going to follow Apollos or, oh, I'm going to follow Paul. And Paul was saying, look, we're all preaching the same gospel. We're all preaching Jesus Christ. Don't get caught up with following a man, but rather follow Jesus Christ who we are preaching. So Apollos was uh, someone who, along with Paul, was doing uh, the Lord's work. Uh, We see Apollos mentioned again, where Paul is talking about that one person uh, plants the seed, one person uh, waters the seed, and he talks about Apollos there. They all work together, and they're all doing their part. And he's telling the people that Apollos uh, is going to come eventually, but Apollos is not going to come right now. So we we see a little bit about Paul's life in these passages that we look at today. Uh, We see as he uh, brings us to a close of 1 Corinthians that perhaps he's tying up some loose ends of some things that have uh, taken place in Corinth. He's reminding them that he is coming. He's reminding them that he is about the Lord's work. Uh, He's letting them know that things are going on. But there are other brothers and sisters in Christ who are uh, doing the Lord's work along with him. As we draw to a close of of 1 Corinthians, as we get near the end of it, though, uh, we need to take some time and reflect on what uh, Paul has dealt with throughout this book. It's good for us to go back and look and and check our own lives and our own uh, decisions and things we do against the the, the decisions and the way that the Corinthians were living their lives. So we make sure we don't fall into the same uh, category uh, that they do uh, of sinfulness and disobedience and not uh, drawing close to the Lord or being undivided as a church. I think it's also important as we draw to the end of this letter to the Corinthians that we also look forward to the next letter of the Corinthians. And if you read in 2 Corinthians, what you will see is that there are still problems in the church of Corinth. That good instruction had been given to the people. Godly instruction had been given to the people by Paul, but they had refused to accept that godly instruction. If you want to flip to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, you can. Uh, I'm just going to read a couple of verses here, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. You will see that the people of Corinth are still not living like they should. Now, Paul had sent them letters and he had visited them uh, on multiple occasions, but they still were refusing to do right. And Paul was having to get stern with them that's not uncommon. we see that uh, sometimes throughout the letters of Paul or uh, the, the letters of those in the New Testament that there are times that uh, that conflict has to be resolved and it's not a good thing it's not a, a thing that, that Paul wants to do it's not a thing that any that any leader uh, leadership in a church wants to do in this day and age you don't want to have to deal with those things it's so much better if we listen to God's instruction and we listen to God's word and we do what God God calls us to. We repent of our sinfulness. We we live uh, in one accord. We live undivided, uh, praising the Lord together. What we see here with the Corinthians is that uh, they obviously uh, still weren't doing very well. 2 Corinthians 13, uh, starting in verse 1. This is the third time I am coming to you. Every fact must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I gave a warning when I was present the second time, and now I give a warning while I am absent to those who sinned before and to all the rest. If I come again, I will not be lenient. Now, Paul is speaking uh, some pretty stern language there. He said, I've come to you, I've tried to get you to do right. And you can you can read more of 2 Corinthians and you can see how Paul is trying to deal with these things. But Paul says, if I come to you again, I will not be lenient. Therefore, I have warned you. I have instructed you. I have pointed you uh, to what was right. You know who I am. You know the work I do. You see that I am all about God's ministry. You see that I love and care for the people. We see that very clearly, I think, at the end of 1 Corinthians 16. Paul's genuine care and love and concern for the people and his desire to come back for, for, for them and to see them and his desire to, to tell them that he is about the Lord's work but more so in his desire to instruct them to live a godly life. Now we've seen many things throughout 1 Corinthians that I think apply to each and every one of us at some season of our life. We have received God's instruction, not just in 1 Corinthians, but throughout all of the Bible. We've received God's instruction. We've received God's Word. We know what God calls us to, what God tells us to do. The question that we all must answer today is the same question that the Corinthians are forced to answer after reading this letter. Are they going to listen to what God's word said to them? Are they going to be obedient to it? Or are they going to reject it and live in sinfulness? And that really points us to a much bigger picture. Sadly, as we see from 2 Corinthians, the people still, at least some of them, were not being obedient to God's word. They hadn't heeded the warnings that God had given them through Paul. Paul said, there's coming a day when I come back that the warnings will be done and I will not be lenient. But perhaps that should point us to a much bigger picture in our life. That is, God has given us plenty of warnings and opportunities through his word. He's been very patient with us. He has been very loving toward us, and he genuinely cares about us. He gives us these instructions and warnings because he doesn't want to see us fall into the trap of sin. He doesn't want to see sin destroy our life, but he wants to see that our lives are, 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 are taken care of, that our, our sins are forgiven, and that we are with him for all of eternity. And as much warning as God's word gives us, as much grace as God's word gives us, as much love as God's word gives us, there will be a day at which point God will return and the warnings will be over. The words of encouragement will be over. The words of grace and the invitation of grace through Jesus Christ will be passed. There's a day coming that when our Lord and Savior returns, the leniency will be done away with. So we need to heed God's word. We need to listen to these things that we have talked about and read about in 1 Corinthians and in all of God's word. And we have to ask ourselves the question today, am I being obedient to God? Am I accepting the truth of Jesus Christ that Paul so wonderfully uh, preached to the people of Corinth? Have we accepted that truth? Are we Christians living in sin? Are we sinners without hope because we haven't put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ? There's coming a day for each and every one of us. Thankfully for the people of Corinth, they only had to answer to Paul in that moment. But there's coming a day for us that we answer to someone much greater than Paul. We will answer to the very Lord who created the heavens and the earth. Have we accepted Jesus Christ? Are we living in obedience to him or not? That's a choice that each one of us has to make. Jesus Christ has given his life on a cross for you so that you could be forgiven. God has given us his word so that we can see that, so that we can be instructed to Jesus Christ, so that we can be instructed to live in obedience to God and receive forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We all have that choice to make. Have you made that choice? Let's pray. God, we thank you for these words. We thank you for the close of this letter of Paul, God. And let us... Uh, be reminded of, of how great of a, uh, an apostle he was for you, dear Lord, and disciple he was for you, that we would uh, be obedient to follow his example, God, that we would listen to his words because, God, they are your words. They come from you through him. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to, to see that. Uh, God, I pray that you would help us to be on mission, that you would help us to have a genuine love for one another, that you would help us to work alongside one, of, one another to see that your work is done. And I pray, God, that you help us to see your word, that it would touch our lives, let us hear what we need to hear and and do what we need to do, dear Lord, so that when that day comes that we stand before you, that we will be those who have been faithful to your words and not those who have lived in disobedience to your words and in rejection to your only Son, Jesus Christ. So I pray, God, that there's one in this room today that maybe have never accepted Jesus Christ. Maybe there's conviction there. Maybe there's some word. There's something that was said. There's something, God, that your Holy Spirit has put in their heart. Maybe you've been dealing with them for days, for weeks, for months, God, and you just, they just feel that tension. They know that something's not right, God. I pray that they would, whatever it is in their life, whatever sin they're holding on to, whatever that's keeping them from coming to Jesus, that today that they would give that to you, dear Lord. They would give their life to Jesus Christ, that they would accept his forgiveness, God. So that that day that they stand before you, that they will not experience your wrath, dear Lord. They will experience your grace. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.